Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. On this podcast, we give education and information on topics related to senior health care. This podcast is brought to you by Minute Women Home Care, a home health agency located in Lexington, Massachusetts. My name's Ryan McKenneth, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Caregiver's Toolbox, Tools for Everyday Caregiving, where we give you education and information on senior care topics. My name is Ryan McKenneth. I am here with Janet. What's up, Janet? Well, we are having a nice sunny day outside, and it's fall, and it's time to look ahead to a new busy time. It's not fall yet. Don't be saying those things. It's still summer for a few more weeks. Okay. In, in All my, right. You know, we got plenty of time to worry about fall, because after fall brings the cold snow. Um, but I'm still in summer mode, still wearing shorts whenever I can. But today we're talking about home care contracts. Um, we have seen some good ones. We have seen some bad ones. We have, uh, seen everything in between. And we thought that home care contracts and what to really look for with these contracts are important. Wouldn't you agree, Janet? Absolutely. It's like the word contract scares people. The fact that there's money involved scares people. And I think what's really scary is you're trying to buy something you don't know a whole lot about. Absolutely. It's almost like um, hiring a general contractor to do work for you when you really don't know how that work is supposed to be done. Exactly. There's nobody to advocate on your side to say, hey, no, 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 this isn't the way that we should do things. Um, One of the first things we want to talk about before we get into our kind of three major points is that you will see, and, and we do this as well, you will see people write, instead of a contract, they'll say this is your service agreement. Um, this is kind of like the equivalent of saying something doesn't cost $100, it's $99.99. Well, it's $100, all right? <laughs> and and so if you see somebody writing an agreement or a contract, um, consider it a contract. If you have to sign your name to something, that is a document in which you are agreeing to pay for services and you're going to be expected to pay for those services at the end of the um, time in which you receive those services. So that was one thing. I mean, we do the same thing because it just sounds nicer versus this this hefty contract. And we'll get into some of the specifics of what to look for in these contracts. Not all contracts are bad, but just know that when something says a service agreement versus a service contract, might as well be called the same exact thing. Exactly. So one of the areas that we've seen um, contracts is with uh, uh, commitment agreements and spending or committing automatically to be using a home care service for a minimum amount of time. Now, I can at the very least, and I'm sure, Janet, you can understand where some companies are coming from this, where it costs money to look for a caregiver, hire them, bring them on board, orientation, training, all that does cost a company money and so does the, if they do it, interviewing the caregiver and training the caregiver on a specific case. But some of the things that I've seen, and I'll let you talk about it a little bit, Janet, is when there are these commitments of spending a certain amount of money, usually in the thousands of dollars, or using us for a minimum of so many days, whether that's seven or 14 or 30 days, before you can uh, leave a contract. So even if you aren't happy, there are those issues. I mean, what is what has your experience been with that 
uh, Janet? Well, people, um, you know, you, you get uh, a lot of folks that are shopping around and mm-hmm. they're checking and any good consumer is going to do that if they have the opportunity. Um, some people feel like they have a gun to their head because they've got a family member coming out of the hospital in 24 hours and, and they're really anxious about it. And I think the idea of the cost is kind of mind-boggling because most people think their health insurance covers the majority of things that they would need. And and this is not paid for through um, your primary health care insurance. And when people, they're thinking of a commitment and they want to know, okay, am I committing for a week, a month, or whatever? And like you say, some people, that is the way they are structured um, to use their um, their services. But I think you need to, um, you know, ask the questions you need to ask. It has to make sense to you before somebody asks you to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, absolutely. When, and, you know, when you're looking at these commitment agreements, um, we we personally don't have any. I When my mom got sick, we had a commitment agreement that we didn't really like. But there, there's obviously a difference between a seven-day commitment agreement and a 30-day and a three-month one, right? Correct. So, you're, you know, seven days, if you're looking at it, maybe that's not the end of the world. But what happens if you're really not happy with um, a company um, and you're 10 days into a 30-day agreement and you feel that the caregivers they're sending are detrimental to the person they're supposed to be caring for? That's where I always had an issue with when we were coming up with our contracts of, how do I put that in? If so, if somebody's not happy with us, nobody's going to leave my services because they're so happy with them, right? <laughs> right. Nobody's going to say, I'm so happy with these services, we better leave. The only time people are going to leave services is if they're not happy with your services, somebody passes away, or somebody um, gets so sick that they need an elevated care, like skilled care in a nursing home or a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know... Think about that when you're looking at the dotted line. A contract is a contract, but is it binding in the sense of you have to use this person for so many days? Or you have to give the agency seven-day notice before changing um, the hours or changing uh, whether you're going to cancel or you might have to give a cancellation notice. Those things, in my opinion, are a little ridiculous, but... They're out there. And since private home care is not a regulated industry like certified is, you can have these um, companies that do these types of things that maybe aren't on the best behalf of the clients that they're serving. And another thing, and this is something that we do, is we have security deposits where mm-hmm. we take a security deposit up front. And, you know, unfortunately in this world of uh, one one or two bad apples spoil the bunch, um, you know, sometimes you get hosed a little bit where people don't want to pay at the end of their bill um, their services, and that security deposit kind of ensures that. Um, but also remember that you've gotten a security deposit. I can't tell you how many times we've called somebody up and said, hey, Marianne or, or Joe or Jane or Jake, you have five or $600 still remaining on your credit and your mom isn't using our services anymore. Do you want us to send you a check or do you want us to put it towards her credit card, re- reload her credit card, uh, refund it? And they completely had forgotten that they had this security deposit. And security deposits can range anywhere from a few hundred dollars to thousands of dollars. So re- keep that paperwork and remember if there's a security deposit to uh, to get that back at the end of the services that you have. So the other thing that I know Janet is going to be able to talk very well about <laughs> is no-shows. Um, there are many different types of no-shows, but... 
Um, what do you think about no-shows and in the situations of what, what happens and how to handle them? Well, I think with no-shows, I think from an agency standpoint, it's a, the, the key is to know both the client and your staff. Um, because there are some people that if a caregiver is going to be out sick, um, their situation may be such that we already know the family would rather stop by themselves and have there be a different person. Or they will ask if we could come the next day instead. Or we can put in a replacement. But there are, um, you know, there are places where if the aide calls out sick and that's it, they are a no-show. And it is in their agreements that, you know, if, if the caregiver cannot be there, the ultimate responsibility is on the family. So you, you need to, to look at that. Um, I mean, we, we can't beat out uh, nor'easters and, and tidal waves and things either. There are times when caregivers can't get there. But I think it's very important to have the conversation of no-shows. And because of um, the way that we work, with our staff, um, we have a very low, very low no-show rate. And um, I think it's a matter of what they need and uh, what the arrangements are up front with the family. Yeah, and, and listen, this isn't meant to be like how great we are compared exactly. to everybody else. We have no-shows. It's, it's, it's like, you know, the sky's blue. The, the sun is going to set gonna and happen. rise and we're going to have <laughs> no-shows. It's just going to happen. Um, you're dealing with people that have their own family lives, emergencies, those things, and it's what you do when those no-shows occur. And there are two types of no-shows that, that occur, and one's the, the ideal no-show, and there are ones that's the not-ideal, and the ideal ones is, hey, my car broke down an hour before my shift starts, I'm not going to be there, and it gives us some time to figure things out, talk with the family members, blah, 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 blah. The idea of a no-show and not calling or calling half an hour or an hour after somebody was supposed to show up is what drives anyone crazy, whether it's the office here or whether it's our clients or the adult children of our client, because everybody's sitting there, well, she could show up in one minute. Or she might not be showing up at all. And what do we do in this situation? And I have to go to work and I have to do that. My boss is looking for answers. And that's where things get frantic. And that's where you need to talk with your home care agency about what happens when those no-shows occur. Because they are going to happen. The yeah. greatest home care company in the world is going to have no-shows. Where something happens where out of the control of the office staff that a caregiver is not going to be showing up and it's 75 degrees out and sunny and there's no traffic. There's going to be a reason, yep. whether it's a broken down car, family member had an emergency, they had an emergency, or they just overslept, screwed up on their schedule and didn't realize they were supposed to show up. Um, what's going to happen in that situation and find out in that contract what occurs. Because like Janet said, some people just say, hey, your problem. Sorry. Some other agencies will say, all right, we will get somebody out there come hell or high water. No matter what occurs, you will have somebody out there as soon as we can get them and um, do everything in their power. So talk to agencies about that. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that caregivers are just like any other employee in any other business. Um, we have reasons that we can't get to work. You know, and we have to juggle and do what we have to do to get through the day. They are employees just like anybody else. Absolutely. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was important to talk about is the actual length of the contract. And I'm not talking about going back to the commitment agreements. I'm talking about how many pages that contract is. And 
we have experience in this and and we tried we we had a one page contract and we did this to try to be as convenient to the the family saying hey you don't have to read 10 pages you only have to read one and that makes life easier but it really didn't make life easier and we learned from that mistake because there is so many different scenarios that can occur that you can't fit on 11 point single spaced one page <laughs> that it makes Janet's life hard because family members would call you up and say, hey, well, what happens in this scenario? And you'd say, well, this is what we do. Well, I didn't know about that. Like, I didn't know this is what happens when a snowstorm comes in. Um, and it can make your life difficult. It makes the family's life difficult. And then it can reflect poorly on the company because we didn't um, explain to people what was going on when they're getting into a situation that they don't know too much about. So we switched over to a longer contract to spell out as how many, I mean, this, what is it, Janet, seven, eight pages long, yep. whatever it is, to spell out all the different scenarios of what happens when this occurs. What happens when you're going to have to, what are you going to have to pay for? What do we pay for? Um, and then that makes your life easier, Janet, because then you have less people calling you up about um, certain scenarios. Now, you can't do every scenario. I mean, how long was that contract? Okay. <laughs> 40 pages long. I was going to say, we'd, we'd still know, be reading it. Moby yeah. Dick times two. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for example, you know, in Massachusetts, you know, we our last podcast, we talked about the hurricanes mm -hmm. and those disasters. Well, up in Massachusetts, our disasters are nor'easters come in. And when a nor'easter comes in, we have to call up all the caregivers find out who's going to be able to show up and who's not going to be able to show up. Um, and as much as you want to hear, well, it's guaranteed that the caregiver is going to show up. I cannot guarantee you all that time. So, so we have to work with our caregivers on who's going to be staying later and who can't do it and things like that. And what happens in those situations, Jenna? Well, we, we, do some give and take. And, you know, some caregivers, a, a piece that a lot of people forget about is that we could get a caregiver because they're, wherever they live, they can get to the house, but there's a foot of snow and nobody cleared the driveway and there's a parking ban. So it's, it's not that they couldn't get out of their house. They can't get into your mom's house. So we have to kind of, you know, go through details with people. And I think one of the great things when I try and explain the agreement to folks is this is information for you. And, and this is going to help you sort out what you need. And we can't think of everything when we're um, discussing what their issues are because we'd be on the phone for six hours with them. But, you know, you could have a very simple situation where someone needs a live-in and everything sounds great. And then the phone is hung up and nobody recognized that the bed for the live-in was the couch. It's a studio apartment. And that's not something we could do, the certain requirements. So rather than focus time on that, those things are in the agreement sure. so people can can get some information and, and they're like well you know where do they sleep what do they do what's expected of them all of that and i use it as a tool and encourage people to read through it and then call back with the questions that came out of it because it's you're going to have more questions after you read it than you probably did before absolutely and it's it's one of those things where um, it's constantly growing that, that if we, 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 you know, no, we don't put every scenario in, but if we have a scenario where, wow, we could see that scenario happening more than once every five years, 
we should add that into the contract of what happens in this situation so that the caregiver, the, the, the caregiver, the clients know what to expect um, from them and what to expect from us. Um, so it, 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 when you're looking at these contracts, it doesn't mean that the company's trying to pull one overview. They might be looking at it the same way we looked at it. We're trying to be as simplistic as possible because when clients come in, they usually feel that a fire hose is being shot at them in the face and you've got to figure out how to collect all the water, which in this you know example is the information that's coming at them. Um, but at the same time, you know, over days, over weeks or whatever, it, they, I'm sure people have gone back with that printed contract and read over and said, all right, now that, you know, winter's coming, what happens here? All right, Minute Women says that, you know, in these scenarios, we have to charge overtime if a caregiver stays and has to stay in place because, you know, there's six feet of snow coming or three feet of snow coming on the ground and that's their policy. And we're trying to be upfront about that. That way people don't feel that they're, um, they're you know, never told about certain scenarios. But um, that's why we think with the, the, the contracts and the length of it, you need to know who's what the costs are, are those costs in the contract? Um, not just with what you're looking for, what, what about weekdays? What about the weekends? What about if you increase your hours or decrease your hours um, if you do change different services? Um, the cancellations, what happens when a cancellation occurs, whether it's on on the caregiver's end, or what if it's on your end? What if somebody, you realize, oh my gosh, somebody's flying in today and they're going to be able to take care of mom for the next three days. I need a call, but the caregiver's already on their way over. What happens in that scenario? Mm -hmm. um, the other thing in this, these contracts to really look at is who's responsible for the payment. Um, think about sign before you sign that contract. Are you willing to pay the dues that are associated with this contract, even if it's for your parent or for your mom or, you know, an aunt or an uncle, a family member, whoever signs that contract is going to be the person that is expected to pay the bill if somebody else defaults on it. So if you're signing for your uncle and your uncle says, no, I'm not paying this bill for whatever, it's way too expensive, I didn't need the services, this is ridiculous, when it goes back to who signed the contract, they're going to be looking at your name and saying, well, I'm sorry that I know you were signing on behalf of your uncle, but you're the one that signed this contract. When we go to collections, we're going to be looking at you, not your uncle. So, you know, before you put your name to anything, just like when somebody asks you, hey, I promise I'm going to make every payment on the car payment. I just need a co-signer on it. <laughs> there you go. Think of it as a co-signer on a car. Are you willing to make that payment on the car if the cosigner, your cosigner defaults on it. So treat it the same way with a home care agreement or contract. So yeah. <clears throat> those are the types of things that we felt were really important to talk about and to think about. There's certainly a lot of other aspects that are involved, but yeah. those three big ones are things you should probably talk to your um, agency about in case you're looking at home care. Yeah, and I think it's important too. One of, one of the great advantages to an agreement or a contract is whoever it is sent to, to share it with the siblings. Because there's one, you're talking to one person on the phone, but maybe you've got three or four brothers and sisters, and then they can all read the same thing and, and know what's going on. And in a great many families, you have someone who has the role of the caregiver and meeting their needs, and someone else does the finances and the contract. 
person writing the check and signing the contract doesn't know, may not know much at all about what the needs are on the part of the caregiver or whatever. And then you've got the person on the caregiving side that has no idea what's in the agreement because they just sent it off to the brother who said he'd handle all the paperwork. Absolutely. So it's good for everybody to be on the same page. And, and bouncing, piggybacking on that and kind of going about the costs of this, Two different ways agencies can charge is they can do a la carte and they can do flat rates, right? So maybe you might have an agency that has two or three flat rates like we do. We have a flat rate for a living, we have a flat rate for weekdays, and we have a flat rate for weekends. Well, other agencies do a la carte where they they, they um, have that kind of almost like an introductory rate. Like the, the, the companion rate is only $19.50 an hour. Well, that companion rate is... Only for somebody to come over, play chess with your mom, and then leave. No heavy lifting, no making meals, no cleaning up, no personal care whatsoever. And then when you start adding additional, well, oh, you want them to make meals and clean up? That's an extra dollar an hour. You want them to help out with, you know, doing chores around the house and making the bed, taking out the trash? There's another dollar an hour. And that a la carte kind of builds up to the point, in my opinion, that ends up being just about the same amount of money as... Just playing, paying the flat rate. Or sometimes rate. more, yeah. Or sometimes more. But look at that because make sure that you know, and if there are two people involved, the, the person that knows the care and the person that's paying the bill, make sure everybody's on the same page. Exactly. That hey, this is what the a la carte is. And I'm not saying a la carte's bad. Maybe it works out for you. But to me, it's just more confusing that way than saying, hey, this is going to cost me 20 or 25 or 30 bucks an hour. All right, 30 bucks an hour times 10 hours. A week, that's 300 bucks. I can do that real quick. Versus what are we at with the a la carte and this gets confusing and things like that. So that's another thing to kind of, you know, if there's multiple people in the kitchen cooking the stew to, to look at whether it's the a la carte stuff and it builds up or the flat rate pricing. Yeah, I mean, we, we read through our agreements. We know what's in there. But a family member is going, what if, what if, what if? And they're trying to find something in that document that answers the what if. Yep. And I think we've done um, a good job of, of explaining a lot more of that. As as you said, you try and make it simple, but one page doesn't cover it. Doesn't cover it all. So, anyways, those are a couple, couple things that we think are good. Maybe we'll do a... a a part two and a part three at some point in time. But um, for now, that is part one of what to look for in a home care contract, kind of the, the pros and cons of everything. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Toolbox. Our podcasts come out every Tuesday. If you have any feedback, please reach out to us at uh, MW Home Care at, uh, on Twitter. And thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Toolbox podcast, which is brought to you by Minute Women Home Care Services, located in Lexington, Massachusetts. Call us at 1-844-BEST-CARE if you have caregiving questions or needs. For comments regarding the podcast, find us on Twitter. Our handle is at MWHomeCare. Thanks again, and we look forward to hearing from you.